this video, I am going to be talking to Tom T. Moore. He is the author of Atlantis and Lemuria. Got a, his book is right here. This, and you're going to see his book. He's going to be talking about his book in the video. As you can see, taking notes, tons of great information in this book. Highly recommend his book if you want to learn anything about Atlantis. Tons of information, a lot of details to Atlantis. I mean, he talks about the clothing, the cars, the transportation, the money system that they had, the, the dates of Atlantis. And he even talks about the destruction of Atlantis in this video that we're going to talk about. Um, he is the author of The Gentle Way, author of First Contact. So he, he has written many books. And he talks about the location of Atlantis. So in his book, he talks about the crystal powers. So how Atlantis was, technology was very much based on crystals. The rise of Atlantis, the Atlantean moon, Pisadia. There's so much great information. The government, the military, the migration to Egypt. He even talks about this in the video as well, how the civilization of Atlantis, the people of Atlantis migrated to Egypt. He even talks about how he got that information. So it, it's pretty good. It's worth uh, checking that part out as well. He even talks about Lemuria in this video and in his book. And he talks about Hawaii, how Lemuria is connected to Hawaii. In this video, he also discusses the evolution of mankind through Neanderthals, Cro-Magnum, to the Adam and Eve model. So enjoy the video. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, also, please don't forget to subscribe. And there's going to be more videos about Atlantis that's coming up. So please subscribe to my channel. Enjoy the video. All right. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you for joining me on this uh, video collaboration. Um, this is Bradley. one of my... One of my favorite, favorite subjects that I like to study on and learn about and, and get to know more information about Atlantis. So, and I've read your book, and I'm a big fan of your book. Your book has so much good information, so much detailed information inside of your book. And I just had the need to, to reach out to you and talk to you more about this book and to, to tell the world more about this book because you have a lot of great information inside of this book and a lot of details that's very mind-opening um, and you're the author of The Gentle Way and you're also the author of a book called First Contact that deals with uh, I'm gonna let you explain a little bit more about that one you're getting downloads from an alien named Theos no, uh, Theo is my is my own guardian angel, and and Tura is a member of my soul group, or uh, it's called a soul cluster, mm -hmm. and um, uh, so I communicate telepathically with him. I'm a self trained telepath, and uh, uh, so I communicate regularly with uh, with Theo and. Gaia, the soul of the earth. I, I, I mostly ask her questions about earth-related subjects, and uh, 
and then Antura, uh, Theo introduced me to my soul brother, uh, uh, my brother on another planet, how <laughs> you wish to describe him. And uh, uh, one day when I was asking about some some ruins and and he, and uh, uh, Theo said, well, uh, you know, you're going to be able to see those one day. And I said, oh, how how's that? And and he's he said, uh, uh, well, basically, he told me I was going to get to ride in a in a spaceship one day. And um, I I. Uh, he said, uh, uh, "This this alien or the CT was tuning into me, and after I got over the shock, I, I always thought my conversations with with my my guardian angel were like private. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't know this was like like an uh, an open line uh, where any anyone uh, that knew how to tune in could tune in." And I've since found out that I have a whole bunch of people tuning in all the time. Uh, other people on Earth that are able uh, to do this uh, like to tune in to see what questions I'm asking in in my uh, uh, in these altered state meditations that I do. And mm -hmm. then I've got these ETs and so on. So it's uh, uh, I call them my. Uh, uh, what's uh, uh, the uh, uh, the peanut gallery like the old Howdy Doody series? So anyway, it's um, uh, we probably need to go back and and kind of explain to people, you know, how this came about. Yes, if you'd like. Yes, uh, how, how did you get started? And um, I'm assuming the Gentle Way book came first, and then uh, later on the Atlantis books. Yes, and it, it all started back, um, I was reading an article by Robert Shapiro that was a channeled article in the Sedona Journal of Emergence, and uh, and he was channeling uh, a, a being by the name of Zosh, or Zosh, depending on the way you pronounce it. Okay. And and I call him Uncle Zosh, because <laughs> I've talked to him since then. And... Uh, uh, and so he said one day, you can request benevolent outcomes in your life. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And up that up to that time, I had I had tried all sorts of modalities. Astrology, I, I did fairly good in astrology. It helped me be the first tour operator in Dallas to ever run a trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, uh, 300 people, I, I booked the airline seats a year in advance. Um and uh, uh, I also uh, started recording my dreams in 1979. Uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, I dreamed of, a, of an explosion and a woman and some men involved. My wife and I were scheduled to go to a World Congress of Tribal Agents. We, were, we owned a tour company at that time. And so I, uh, we decided to uh, drop Manila, which is where we were supposed to be going. And add days to um, uh, uh, to Taipei and Hong Kong, and the first day of the Congress, the terrorists blew up a, a bomb at the front of the hall, oh, and wow. injuring uh, ten travel agents, and that's where I would have been sitting. 
So after that, uh, and and as they arrested a, a woman and four men for uh, as the terrorists for the bombing, and then after that, I said I'm going to record my dreams the rest of my life. Well, one of the nice things recording your dreams does for you is that that state that you're in when you're just waking up and you're able to recall that whole dream or portions of the dream or whatever, that's basically where I am when I ask these questions uh, that people send to me from all over the world uh, to ask in these, in this altered state meditation. Mm -hmm. And um, so then uh, it progresses and, and Robert Shapiro actually did a channeling for me and he channeled a Indian shaman from the 1600s by the name of Reveals the Mysteries. And uh, he's American Indian shaman. I know what tribe, but I'm, uh, I can't say because it, it would cause the modern day shamans <laughs> to be overloaded with people coming to him. Oh, channel this or channel this for me. Right, right. That's understandable. And so, uh, uh, so anyway, I ask, uh, reveals the mysteries. I said, uh, uh, is my sole contract, uh, to support Robert Shapiro's work and reveals the mystery said, no, that it's, it's not. Well, I thought that was very strange. So a couple of years later, um, my wife and I decided to go to a, um, uh, a, a, uh, uh, in improving your psychic ability seminar. And this was in Sedona, put on by Dick Sutphen, S-U-T-P-H-E-N, a million-selling author. And the guy that that invented or called these great PowerPoints in Sedona, uh, Vortexes. So he's responsible for three million visitors a year coming to Sedona. And he said they, they really probably should should have paid him <laughs> but, but uh so we went there and on the second day of the of the seminar he he was each day he was putting us under three or four times a day into this altered state he, he he's a great hypnotist uh very uh and a really great voice and he put us under uh supposedly to uh, auto uh to automatic right right uh, automatic writing yes mm -hmm. yes and instead i said well i, I think i'm going to try and contact reveals the mysteries and so i said reveals the mysteries are you there <laughs> and he said yes i am tom and i said i thought wow this is really neat and so i asked him i said why why am i the guy out here really pushing requesting benevolent outcomes um and uh because the sedona journal was publishing articles that i'd written about it and and all and uh, reveals the mystery, said, Tom, he said, you're a, a shaman living at the same time as I am. Your name is Stillwater, and you decided to incarnate into the 20th and 21st centuries in order to reintroduce people to the gentle way. Mm -hmm. And I got the name of my first book the first time I ever spoke uh, with Reveals the Mysteries. And... Uh, much, much, much later, I was to find out that he's also a member of my soul group or cluster. And in this life, he's my main guide. Everyone has one main guide. Typically, it's part of your soul cluster. 
uh, your soul cluster is made up of, of between six and 12 uh, fragments of your soul. We're all fragments. We're not whole souls. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, and, and so uh, uh, typically your main guide is going to be someone from your soul cluster. So he, he's my, my main guide. Plus I have guides for like my, uh, a couple of guides for writing, a couple of guides because I'm in the film and TV program distribution business. I have a couple of guides for that. Uh, my uh, uh, deceased mother uh, is, uh, uh, is a guide for all things feminine because 75 or 80% of the people that subscribe to my weekly free newsletter um, are women. And so she advise, <laughs> somehow advises me on all things feminine. And uh, so, and your guides come and go depending on, on what you're working on. If you change jobs and you'll, uh, or change careers, you'll, mm -hmm. uh, those, those guides will go away and, and new guides will appear uh, to assist you. And they do it out of love and they do it out of learning because they, they learn from uh, uh, these thousands of times that they act as a guide for someone uh, to assist them. So this this helps them grow too. Okay. So very very interesting. That, yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of how it, it started, and and um, uh, as uh, as I went along, I, I talked to Reveals and Mysteries for a while, which was very interesting because um, he explained how hard their lives were. They did not have canoes at that time. They did not have horses at that time. Uh, they had to walk everywhere. Mm. He said, we have sturdy feet is the way he called it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and in the winter, they were always hungry. Uh, so it was a pretty hard life. Most uh, most of them did not live past their 30s or early 40s. Wow. Um, he and the, um, uh, and the chief of the Indian tribe both were up into their 50s, or late 50s or so. So they had lasted longer. And, and one time when I contacted him, he said, I, I'm going to have to pass you over to uh, Stillwater, which was me, which was strange talking to me back in the 1600s. Right. <laughs> he said, he said uh, my, my best friend, the chief of the Indian tribe, just died, and, we're, and I'm in a grieving process for him. So uh, it's, uh, it, it was interesting conversations that I used to have with him. Interesting. That's, you know, that continued on. And then uh, I kept, uh, I started, uh, I decided to try and contact uh, uh, Gaia, Soul of the Earth, and immediately contacted. So I've, I've had tons of contacts. Uh, uh, the Soul of the Moon, the, uh, every planet, and planetoid, and sun, and everywhere mm. are all uh, uh, in Soul. Uh, the uh, Soul of the Moon likes to, uh, says it's fine to call her. Luna, uh, but uh, the soul of the sun, which it, it feels to me like I'm I'm talking to a physicist, it, it, um, uh, because of the um, of the way he, uh, it, it's like being a sun, you have have to have sort of an interest in physics in a way, and I just felt like I was I was in over my head every time I talked to him and he said to only call him son because he said any other name that I would I could call him a group of people that perhaps worship the son 
would say, oh, see, that's that's us. That's who you should be worshiping because that's the name that we call. Mm. And and so uh, uh, only I only say son when I talk to him. What got you started on the book for Atlantis? What what drove you down that path that, yeah. you know, that, you know, was it a, a, sure. a feeling uh, or? Well, uh, not exactly. Um, uh, keep in mind that here I was really into um, uh, the gentle way, requesting most benevolent outcomes. And, and for for those that are watching this for the first time and haven't heard about that, uh, you can say I requested most benevolent outcome for my drive to work, uh, uh, my business meeting, uh, the perfect house, the perfect home, uh, the, the perfect mate, uh, the perfect job. Mm -hmm. uh, all of these types of things you can request benevolent outcomes for. Uh, and you say, thank you at the end. And, and so, um, uh, but I was the main guy pushing this. And I said, uh, uh, one, and, and also reveal some mysteries had said, I was reintroducing people to the general way. Mm -hmm. so I thought, well, how long ago, uh, did this begin? Uh, uh, because 1600s, you know, that's 350, 400 years ago. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe it's a thousand years old. Right. And so, and so one day I asked um, uh, Theo, I think it was, Theo Gaia, uh, how, uh, how old was the gentle way? And I was told, oh, Tom, he said it dates all the way back to your days in Atlantis when you were inspired to create the gentle way. And this was about 12,700 years ago. So uh, uh, it, it, as I was to learn, I had, uh, um, I had about a million people requesting benevolent outcomes in their lives, most of them on the island of Posadia, because at that time, this was long past the time when Atlantis um, uh, broke apart and most of it sank um, uh, 31,000 years ago. So that's, you know, that's sort of how it started. I, I, I have found out that, that everyone is a telepath. We're, um, we all have this pineal bl uh, gland in, in the back of our heads. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I can find it for you on, on this. Um, uh, that's the Ryan Institute, and here's the pine, uh, okay, the pineal uh, pineal gland, and it's it's everything in our brain has typically has two of, but the pineal gland is the only one that's one of, and it acts as an antenna, and it receives everything that's telepathic, and this includes everything from channeling to gut feelings about someone. To you know, uh, a feeling. Oh, I got to call Aunt Martha. Something, you know, something's wrong or whatever. And and, and sure enough, uh, uh, they were thinking, at, uh, wanting you to call them. And and you could go on and on. Everything that that is a feeling or whatever, it's all received. These images. You know, there are people that can receive psychic images and so on. This all comes through that. Uh, pineal gland and then and then there are other parts of your brain which I'm still exploring mm -hmm. that actually 
um, uh, interprets these according to your uh, your belief, your religious beliefs, according to your um, education, knowledge, learning, whatever you wish to call it. Um, it, it uh, you 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 receive these according to what you believe. Um, so ten people could ask the very same question and probably get ten different answers. I get so many questions from people from as I say, from all over the world to ask each week. Right now, what happens, and I'll show you, this This is what I did this uh, this morning. If, wow. If, if you if you can see this. Uh-huh, I can uh, see it. These, these were all questions that were sent in to me, and um, uh, and so it, it was like hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes uh, this morning that I asked uh, these questions. Typically after that, I lose my concentration. Uh, but but people send in these questions right now. Um, I just uh, I put out this weekly newsletter that people can mm -hmm. find at www.thegenerowavebook.com, and uh, I have all my newsletters archived there all the way back to 2007. I put these out 52 weeks a year, and even at that rate, I put out a 12-page newsletter um, on Thursday. Every Thursday, I send it out. And and I, I still have five or five and a half pages uh, uh, of questions that I could even get to. Wow, that, that's how far behind I, I typically stay. And um, and one of the reasons is if something really important comes up, you know, like government shutdowns or or um, <clears throat> once every six months I do a. Um, I do an update on uh, the probability of Yellowstone uh, erupt erupting, mm -hmm. and and right now I think it's like seventy three or seventy four percent that it will erupt in between twenty twenty two and twenty twenty seven, and so I'm only asking for updates once every six months since we're still pretty far out from that time period, and also. The West Coast is up to 63 or 4 uh, percent for um, the uh, for earthquakes in that same time period. So we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, mm -hmm. These are things that I'll typically move forward and put in the newsletter immediately, as compared to a, a question about, say, some individual or or whatever that. Uh, uh, people uh, ask me about their past lives or uh, of, of a recognizable right. person like Freddie Mercury was one recently because, of course, of the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. And uh, gotcha. I'll, I'll get I'll get uh, questions about people like that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a su subscriber to your newsletter, so. I enjoy reading it. Tons of good information, and you have a mixture of information too, because it will deal with uh, your alien contact, and like you said, Mother Gaia, and um, and the past lives as well. So you, you have a mixture of information on, on your newsletter, and you have a lot of newsletters on your website. So, yeah, yeah. In fact, one lady uh, 
I thought it was very cute. I may have to use this line <laughs> in the future. Uh, just in the last couple of days, she wrote in to tell me, she said, you're my uh, otherworldly uh, uh, reporter. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> or, or news, you know, news source, otherworldly news source. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we, uh, I've asked thousands of questions and people will say, oh, you know, how do you know you're not speaking to some dark uh, uh, angel or, or spirit or something or that? And I explained that that when you're uh, when you're doing this, first of all, I surround myself with white light before I ever uh, go into this mm -hmm. alternate meditative state. And um, uh, if you can imagine a bubble of white light completely surrounding you. Oh, yeah. and, and then also, if uh, like Gaia or Theo or Antur or whoever, they never tell me to do something. They only, um, they say, you've got to make decisions. That's what you're on earth for. That's what everyone is on earth for, is to make decisions and to learn how to make decisions. Because that's, that's one of our end goals that, we don't have time to talk about, but our souls have an end goal, and this is why we're we're uh, our souls volunteered for the Earth experiment, and it's um, uh, so they never tell me to do anything. Mm -hmm. And if they if they were, I, I was told uh, tell tell your readers that if anyone starts telling you to do something, run the other direction, gotcha. because, and, and surround yourself with white light because that's not in your best interest. Right. Makes so, sense. So that's one of the things. They just give me information. They said, we will answer any question for you, but you have to specifically ask the question. So as an example, when when I discovered that, that uh, uh, I had had 185 or so lives on, uh, on Atlantis, whether it had been the continent, or Posadia, uh, or, mm -hmm. or Aaron, those islands that existed until they destroyed themselves in a in a terrible, horrific war. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, that's, uh, you know, I, I had to ask specific questions about all these different time periods and and about the, when uh, when um, uh, Atlantis sank, and when Poseidon and Aaron went to war, war and, and uh, uh, destroyed themselves. All these different things had to be specific questions, and not just something. Oh, just tell us all about it. Right. That thing. Right. We have to uh, ask specific questions. For the question you mentioned, the date. So that was was that like. You had to ask a specific question and to where like, hey, when did Atlantis sink? And you had to wait for the response or did you, or was that where the questions was, did Atlantis sink in this time frame? And it, you got, like, yeah, the it depends on, on how I, I ask it. Yeah. Uh, in, in the case of Atlantis, the first information that I kind of had on it was that, was that I had a life you know, at 12,700, uh, 
when things were starting to deteriorate. And I, I actually um, uh, incarnated at 12,700 years ago, and then I migrated with out of that 1 million uh, people that were following and, and requesting benevolent outcomes, about 25,000 of them migrated with me when we decided that it was only going to get worse. In fact, I, I'd been told it was going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And and so we migrated all the way to Egypt. And in Egypt, there was a princess, first of all, that was helping us settle. And um, this princess uh, helped uh, by in, uh, saying, hey, we are gentle people. Uh, we're not we're not going to uh, uh, invade them like uh, the uh, the Atlanteans had done many years before. Right. And, and so we just wanted peaceful existence. So that's uh, then there was this this Egyptian priest by the name of Rata. Now people will recognize the name Rata because. Edgar Casey mm -hmm. had a past life, yes. and he was Rata in a past life, and he was called. He had been banished, but called back to Egypt to deal with all these uh, Atlanteans that were appearing. That was my group, and so I had to communicate with Rata and explain to him, convince him that we were not going to invade them uh, like uh, at the Atlanteans had done in the past right and and that princess uh in that life is my wife in this life really yeah <laughs> and so that's and so, interesting <laughs> yeah well one of the things i found is that uh, see my sole interest or uh, is religion and so uh, i've had lives at the start of every single major religion on earth with the exception of two that are still coming up and I know which two they are. In fact, one of the people that, that is going to start the religion, uh, has been, I'll just, I'll give a very vague description. I won't, I don't want to mm -hmm. get too, uh, too close, but they've been connected with the, the, uh, clergy in this life. And I've known them for a long time. And, but we're going to have another life together before this person starts uh, this religion. And in that life, I'm going to be either the mother or father. So we're going to have a very loving relationship with, uh, with the person that's going to start this religion. So, and this is something that comes up. So as an example, in my wife's next life, she's going to go all the way back to ancient Egypt a okay. little later than when we lived at that time period. And she's going to be he, and he's going to be a, um, a, uh, um, a major leader for his people. And I'm going to be his assistant. But that life for me is already a past life. So I've already lived that one. I probably had that life shortly after the one where I uh, uh, migrated with people to Egypt. And, and 
by having been married, uh, by the time it's over, we'll have been married over 50 years. Um, but by the time um, uh, this is over, we will have had a very close relationship for a long, long time. And it's my understanding that this happens before all of all of these uh, uh, religions get started. I uh, I am with them in another several lives, maybe one life, several wow. lives before that that life for for them to begin the religion. Well, let's kind of go back here for yeah yeah because we missed one of them. Uh, okay, um, the case for telepathy. People have been trying to prove telepathy for a long time. The Ryan Institute, all the way back in the 1940s or so, was, um, and they were at Duke University, so give them, give them credit. Mm -hmm. They were running what are called ESP uh, experiments. They would, uh, as this uh, slide shows, they would have someone set up, and they were using what are called the Zinner cards. And uh, it, it may be hard for some people to see, but it's squares and a zero and a plus sign and a, a, I think a wavy line and what have you. And, and they would uh, set these people across from each other and they would try and send them what image they were looking at. The problem that I, th and they, it was very inconsistent. They, they couldn't understand. Now the problem I think is that had they picked two people like an old married couple, okay, mm -hmm. or, or or two twins, uh, or uh, in other words, people that really had a connection with each other, and let them work together, they would graduate uh, from the Zener cards all the way to receiving full sentences, paragraphs, what have you, and and also. They should put them into a, uh, into an altered state. Let them get into that semi-dream state where it's easier for us to receive messages. Now, when I do my my uh, uh, these active meditations, as I call them, um, I, I do it very early in the morning. I typically have done it starting somewhere around 4:30 or 5 this morning. My dogs got me up at. <laughs> three something or other and so i said heck i might as well go ahead and and do this and and then go back to bed and go to sleep which i did mm -hmm. so um I, I find for me having absolutely no other thoughts going on um you know about what's coming up in the daytime who i need to contact in my film business or um uh, you know or, or or catching up on the emails or whatever it's um it, that's the best time for me. And, and so I, I would love, if you recall, uh, there was a twin that was on the space station for several months and a twin back at NASA. And I would love for them to have an experiment where they would have a twin on the Mars mission ah. and, a, and another twin back home and that, that would have worked together uh, on these Zinner cards and then progressed and everything and to test telepathy because um, uh, as they showed in, what was it called? Um, uh, Mar Mars mission or whatever it was where 
it's it's the movie I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the actor. And suddenly he was marooned on Mars, and and the message was taking too long to get to the people on his ship, and they left without him. Ah, uh, I know what movie you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, <laughs> right. And, and so that's a very good demonstration where had had Matt Damon been in telepathic contact with uh, with someone on Earth or, or whatever, um, or, or even in the spaceship, uh, they wouldn't have left without him. They would have stayed and and wouldn't have gone through this whole process. Of course, that would ruin the movie, but mm-hmm. it, would, it would possibly save someone's life. Absolutely. By having this essence contact. And they're going to find that people will, uh, scientists will learn eventually that this is instantaneous contact. And it doesn't matter whether they're across, uh, they're across from each other uh, at a table or um, uh, across campus or across the world or uh, halfway across the universe, there is this energy path they have not discovered yet that will uh, allow them uh, to and allow us to instantly communicate because that's that's how many societies, alien ET type societies are able to communicate mm-hmm. telepathically. And we're going to have to kind of learn to do that. Can you imagine when we eventually get stars? See, no one's thinking about this. This is absolutely too far, too far out there for them to think of. But when we start traveling to the stars and we eventually learn how to portal hop, which I can also get uh, uses uh, an energy. And I don't know if that's the same as telepathy uses or another energy. Mm-hmm. But, but when we start going to the stars and finding planets that perhaps are not as far along as we are, are much farther along than we are as, as our uh, ET uncles and aunts, as I call them, um, we're going to have to figure out a way to communicate with them. And maybe they don't communicate with them. Um, uh, we're, we're going to have to figure out a way. And, and obviously, I think there will be a need for telepaths on those missions when we eventually meet. Uh, All right. Absolutely. Going. Absolutely. And it's very similar to uh, some of the other books I've read that it's telepathic communication. Very similar. Mm-hmm. So, so that and that's uh, you know talking about the Atlantis and Lemuria book uh, for just a second. Um, uh, our ET uncles and aunts have, uh, through millions of years, they're ahead of us millions of years technologically, mm-hmm. but but not spiritually. And so that's we're we have learned to live with negative energies that no other society and not only this universe, but the billions of other universes, three of which are adjoin our universe. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. None of them have been able to work with. They only work with the 10 positive energies. And there's 10 I just learned in the last year. Okay. And, and we live and have learned to live with four negative energies. So that's why, we have all these UFOs that we see uh, all the time. They're off of motherships that are masked so that 
They don't scare us in this. There's right. about 25 of these motherships that um, uh, that are orbiting the Earth, and they're taking millions of readings every single day because everyone we're the star of the uh, stars of our universe and all the other universes mm-hmm. um, uh, because we learn to live with these four negative energies and right now there are uh, probably about two ships from other universes that uh, are orbiting the earth and it's it's like parking is a problem they don't allow any more than like a couple at a time the rest of these ships are from from our universe and particularly from from like uh, the Pleiades and and Sirius and mm-hmm. and so on the the real uncles and aunts that of uh, that are are our protectors and eventually we are um, Earth will join the Federation of Planets in this quadrant of the uh, of the uh, galaxy. Excuse me, and um, there will be uh, there are around. 200 plus planets in our quadrant that are members of this federation, mm-hmm. but there are other federations in other parts of, of even this galaxy. One of the right. one of the federations doesn't want to have anything to do with the others, so they're just kind of left alone to do their own thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting, interesting, and that's. Um, deals with a lot more of your information in your other book, uh, First Contact? Yeah. It goes into more detail? Uh, although, yes. <laughs> um, That's my next book I'm going to read. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, although, obviously, uh, if as you read in the Atlantis and Lemuria book, there's a great connection between us and, um, and these Federation planets because most of them provided DNA. Yes. Parts of our DNA um, uh, for this Earth experiment, mm-hmm. because the creator of this universe said said that it, uh, to create a uh, a being that could withstand all these things on Earth uh, as part of the Earth experiment, and uh, so they they went through a lot of different models. I know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and then you talk about that. The current model is called the Adam model, so I thought that was like, huh? It was yeah. interesting. Like it was a like we're like a car, like a model. <laughs> yeah, it, it, true. Uh, you know, they started uh, with uh, early humans. Uh, these are considered humans, Littlefoot and Lucy. These were early, uh, early ones, mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, then. Neanderthals were uh, uh, there were about three and a half million Neanderthals, and Neanderthals had about seventy percent of our brain capacity. So they were very clever. You know, they weren't up mm-hmm. to our our level, so to speak, but uh, much uh, more clever and and could and they're starting to find uh, uh, tools and everything that they use. So they they were more than people perhaps expected just a caveman. Mm-hmm. But they were cannibalistic. That was their only 
a drawback. Yeah, so I saw that in your book. Mm-hmm. Their their uh, their numbers never got really large because they kept eating each other and uh, bopping each other over the head. So so uh, they they stayed around that three and a half million part. And uh, there's uh, another picture of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is from a museum that's from their skeleton remains. And here's the difference between the uh, Cro-Magnon and the Neanderthal. Um, so when the Cro-Magnons came along, keep in mind uh, what these, since they were testing out all these body types, they had the ability to nicely stop their reproduction. So in other words, it wasn't violent. They didn't just wipe them off the mat. Ah. They just they just uh, uh, somehow uh, fixed it so that they could not reproduce. And so they just slowly died out. And that's okay. that's how they did it. And so you had this Cro-Magnon man. And here was a, a, a reconstruction, what they looked look like. I think uh, that the, uh, whoops, uh, this is my, one of my favorite slides. I don't know who who painted this, but this was uh, well done, I thought. And who knows whether that's really right or not. But, but right. it looks, I mean, they they look very human. Their only difference is that they had overextending eyebrows. And I think when they decided to uh, eventually settle on on the Homo sapien human, and by the way, there are five million of, of Cro-Magnons. Um, when they decided on that, I think because because of these uh, overextending uh, uh, brow on their on their face, they were subject to having if they got in a fight, they were subject to having this broken. And I'm sure oh. a lot of a lot of that probably left led to their deaths because they maybe they couldn't they didn't know how to repair it, and uh, so they. So they kind of smoothed out that line. There were also some other in, um, internal things that they changed on the Homo sapiens. And because we've never found a frozen uh, Cro-Magnon, I don't think, uh, we haven't been able to see the difference between the insides of a, of a human Homo sapien and a Cro-Magnon. But there are five million of them, and they, and they have 100% of the same mental capacity that we do so they were smart cookies and and uh would have uh probably been sort of almost the final had they not continued to tweak the uh uh, the final one to to get to the uh uh adam and eve model as as it's called Mm. adam and eve were introduced um uh, 60,000 years ago. When, when we were talking about the atom model, another thing that was very interesting was that they were able to punch in a sequence for the DNA to produce this model, and I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, they could, uh, they could make these bodies in two and a half minutes. Yeah. That's popping them out really fast. And and when they set down the Homo sapiens, they set them down 
uh, now, you know, each, uh, they had different uh, ET societies uh, populating each continent. And, and so they were all set down just absolutely uh, uh, naked. And if they were in a place that was going to, to get cold, they would have to quickly find a way to clothe themselves. They obviously had to find quickly a way to right, feed shelter. themselves, mm -hmm. uh, fires, whatever. So all of that um, uh, had to be quickly learned. And, and they knew where they came from. <coughs> Excuse me. But they, um, uh, that was quickly lost within two or three generations mm. because they were having, you know, who cares where I came from? I got to find my next meal and I got have shelter for the night. Mm -hmm. um, was it different ET groups that was involved or was it one certain yes. ET groups and in which ones? Yeah, they were uh, different ET groups, and uh, that's um, <coughs> that's why you have red skin and black skin and and brown skin. Um, they they all were were created with little different DNA. Mm -hmm. uh, which ET groups was it? The Palladians, Syrians. Uh, or is it yeah, a combination? Uh, well, the Pleiadians look, you know, one of the type of the Pleiadians looks just like us. Mm -hmm. okay? okay. But, but keep in mind, the Pleiades, uh, there are 10 major planets of the Ple uh, Pleiades, and there might be 10 or 25 or so <clears throat> different planets that could be occupied in the Pleiades alone mm -hmm. with different different types so they wouldn't look like human they could look like who knows uh, uh, well <laughs> I hesitate to guess but uh, mm -hmm. bird beings or insect right. beings or, Absolutely. Uh, reptilians whatever so that's uh, okay uh, where do we go uh, let's go to the next uh, there there we go that's a good this is gonna be a good slide <laughs> <laughs> it also answers a few questions too that uh, from the group that that I I sent out some questions to. So this is going to oh, be a okay. good one, right? Well, at the Atlantean continent itself existed the northern point of the Atlantean continent did not go any farther up to the north than the forty seventh parallel or the forty seventh. Uh, uh, latitude and the uh, the southern end of it generally was at the 30th latitude the tail of the continent extended down encompassing the Bahamas mm. and and 31,000 years ago when this line of volcanoes that bisected the continent um, uh, of Atlantis all uh, exploded, uh, erupted at the same time because they were all sitting on the mid-Atlantic ridge. Uh, when they all exploded, 
the Bahamas were left and Poseidia and, and Aaron I'd mentioned before, Canary Islands, Azores, Bermuda, those were those are all remnants of the continent. And when it sank 31,000 years ago, the oceans of the, of the world, due to the displacement of all this land, the oceans rose 160 feet. And when they rose at 160 feet, every single uh, village, town, and city located on the coast of all the world were um, uh, were inundated, mm. completely destroyed. And it destroyed all of the, almost all of the, the history of the world up to that time. There was just, you know, 160 feet. Most of the major cities as they, as they are today are, uh, were located on the coast, the, uh, on the coast of the oceans. Absolutely. So that's, um, that's what happened, uh, for when Atlanta sank. So that, that only left, I've mentioned Edgar Casey before. Um, yes, the sleeping prophet. <laughs> the sleeping prophet, yes. And Edgar Casey was one of the ones that started bringing up the fact that Atlantis was real. And mm -hmm. a lot of people, most people think Atlantis is a myth. And, but it's not. It's just that, that all the records were wiped out when, when uh, the, the oceans rose 160 feet. Now, the first shifting of the poles was 52,000 years ago. That's when many people froze to death up in the northern climates because right. they'd, been, they'd been warm up until that time. And Lemuria mm -hmm. was, uh, just to, to give a little preview, Lemuria was located uh, near Japan, and it was about 12% larger than present-day Australia, and it extended all the way to within 100 miles of Hawaii, and for thousands of years, the Lemurians, are, uh, on the continent of Mu, as it was called, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, would vacation on the shores of the of Hawaii. And uh, so people think, oh, there's this Lemurian energy of Hawaii. And yes, there is, but they think it's maybe from the Tahitians who came later. Uh, uh, to the Hawaiian islands, but in actuality, it was from thousands of years of of these Lemurians coming to vacation on the shores of Hawaii, and so that's why you have that energy that they imparted. Right. That was their vacation destination. Yes, and and of course Hawaii. Keep in mind, um, there are three t uh, times that the oceans rose. I mentioned. The 160 feet, 12,500 years ago. I'm sorry, 31,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Then, then the oceans rose again, 41 feet, when Poseidia and Aaron and, and the accompanying islands destroyed themselves in a war. So that that comes up to be 200 feet. And then when the uh, when the Lemurians destroyed themselves with hydrogen type bombs. Um, uh, that happened 7,500 years ago. The oceans rose again 170 feet. So wow. you've got basically 
between 375 and 400 feet of ocean rise, which our scientists have have confirmed, but they, since they don't have any information about about how this happened, they said, "Oh well, the oceans must have gone up an inch every hundred years," because they don't they they didn't know that they had these three enormous events uh, totaling 370 uh, to 400 feet. Mm-hmm. I think even in your book, um, it talks about Noah's flood is connected. That's Noah's flood story is connected to the the risings of the ocean when those continents were destroyed. No, well, when when Poseidon and Aaron decided to destroy themselves, mm-hmm. that the uh, uh, there were two basic religions at that time period. There was the law of one that the people on Poseidon Poseidon was the size of Cuba, except it was round in uh, as compared to elongated like Cuba is. Okay. And and then Aaron was a little bit larger than Hispaniola, but it also had five smaller islands below it and uh, totaling another 14,000 or so square miles. So you, they were basically somewhere totaling mostly equal in, in land size between Poseidia and then and then Hispaniola, uh, I mean uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. and uh, Aaron, uh, those people uh, uh, worship the, the sons. They were called the sons of Belial, and okay. uh, and so they really got into wars. Uh, that, that's why I migrated with twenty five thousand people because they were already getting it, it was getting worse, and I was actually told. Um, and was actually flown in an ET ship to Egypt to uh, scout out where we were going to live and came back and then migrated with my group. And people continued to leave uh, Poseidia and Aaron uh, going to the Yucatan, uh, to Guatemala. Uh, you see all these uh, these temples and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the indigenous population was easy to control. So, those people moved uh, there too, mm-hmm. and people kept moving away all the way to the last. And uh, and then Aaron <clears throat> sent its aircraft. Now keep in mind these these societies were very advanced um, because they'd been around for thousands and thousands of years. So they they uh, both had uh, uh, the Lemurians and the Atlanteans had had free energy. Uh, given to them by the ETs, and mm-hmm. who were appalled that they used these free energies to develop weapons of war. Right, and and so the uh, Aaron the uh, uh, leaders sent this 325 or so aircraft uh, up in like a Pearl Harbor sneak attack, and uh, proceeded to use laser type weapons to literally melt the ground that that these people were on a million and a half people died the very first day of this horrific war wow. and uh, uh, then uh, and, and then the Poseidons retaliated and, and eventually all the islands were wiped off the face of the map 
and and that was the time when Noah uh, was uh, built his ark. And it wasn't later uh, uh, in the Bible. It listed much later, but keep in mind, mm-hmm. all these records were destroyed and all these different events. Right. And uh, uh, but Noah built his ark and and, uh, and did not have any wild animals that was added. Uh, to enhance the story later, but put all his domestic animals in the ark and off he floated and landed on the lower slopes of Mount Ariat. So that's a true story. All four of the major religions of the world had that story, mm-hmm. although although in India they, uh, uh, they changed the name from Noah to Mount Manu or Manu, M-A-N-U, mm-hmm. uh, in order to... Uh, uh, be more appealing to the Hindu people. Gotcha. gotcha. Do so, you you had a map of Atlantis when it, uh, before the destruction? Do you have also a slide a map of Basadia to give an idea to the people uh, of how it looked like? And there, there we go. Well, that that's not it. That's oh, okay. the Golden City in Basadia. I thought I had it somewhere. Oh, there's. Okay, that's not area. I'm missing it. Surely, I, there it is. Yep, that's the one. Yep, that's where that's where Poseidia and Aaron were located. Okay. And Poseidia is the the bigger section, and yes, the rounder one. And the other one's the the islands at the at the south. Yeah, and keep in mind this is an artist conception and it's you know it's a little off so Mm -hmm. um but that was about their location if you were to draw a line out directly from say north of boston straight out into the atlantic ocean that's where you'd find posadia and if you were to draw a line straight out from washington dc uh that's where you'd find Aaron. uh some people have made a joke about (laughs) 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 the connection of washington dc and Aaron, but so it's funny how it works out. <laughs> yeah. What are the coincidence of that happening? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that should be we should give them enough for today. I'd like to remind everyone you can sign up for my uh, weekly newsletter at uh, uh, go to www.thegentlewaybook.com. On the on the home page mm-hmm. is uh, a blue box, and you just click on that, sign up. Yep, and I'm gonna have links in the description for you as well. Good. Um, make it a little bit Thanks. easier for them to to click on the link to get to your website. Okay. Well, thanks for thanks for having me today, and I Thank look forward you. to.